This is Philip, and please forgive some of the audio issues in episodes 11 and 12. We are working very hard to fix them. Thank you, and we wish you a healthy and happy 2019. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 12. Welcome to the Generic Board Game Podcast, all the board gaming content you want at a fraction of the price. I'm your American host, Philip Millman. And I'm your European host, uh, Victor Gannon, also known as Vic from NaveCon. You're very welcome to our podcast this evening or this morning or whatever time you're listening to this. We're going to talk about an interesting subject that we discussed a little bit before, and it's coming up to uh, the holiday season. People are going to be experimenting with gaming and so on, and... I think it's a great time to have a little chat about how do we get people to join our amazing hobby. Or as I like to think about it, as our continuing series of Gaming 101, Gateway Gaming, what is it, what's it for, and why do we do it? This sounds like an intervention of some sort. Why do you do it? Well, it's just something I like. Yes, but why? Why do you do it? There is no cure to this. You know this. Um, Like I I listened to the, you were saying about Board Game Geek and they had 15,000 games and I was doing a quick calc on my phone. That's nearly a million dollars worth of games. And if we ever get to that, we can stop. But we're not there yet. So... Yeah, we need to infect more people if we're going to, you know, just just sequence them into our our, our little one of us kind of a group. <laughs> so, what do you call them? Noobs, muggles, non gamers? I call them gamers that don't know they love gaming yet, because the way I look at gaming is the same way I look at books. Large number of people love books, and the reason is because there is a book. For everyone, there's a genre that people like, and there are also genres that people don't like. Same is true for board gaming. There are authors that people like, and there are authors that people don't like. Same as board gaming. As Mm -hmm. a perfect example, I am not the world's biggest fan of area control games or dudes on the map. Whereas my esteemed colleague from the Emerald Isle happens to love them. They are the greatest thing ever, and um, we simply won't argue on this. You know, no, I, I, everyone's got their own kind of style, and it's like that joke about golf where there's two types of people, those who play golf and those who haven't played golf yet. Um, but it's the same at board games. I think most people, it, there's so much to it. Um, it's not the games. I, I always think it's the it's everything that happens around the outside of board games that make it interesting. And I, I certainly at Christmas, it's been a tradition for me if I if I visit family and, and, and in-laws, I'm asked to bring board games now. And it's usually kind of party games and so on. So that kind of leads us neatly into uh, our little segment about what would you recommend as a good game to get people started if they've never gamed before? And when I say never game before, I mean Monopoly doesn't count. Tell me, you're a big fan of Monopoly, aren't you? <laughs> No, I hate Monopoly, and I can go nauseating detail of why Monopoly is not a great game. Yeah, no, I'll stop you there. The um, Do you not think that's a bit elitist now, saying that Monopoly is not a great game? No, I don't think that at all. No, neither do I. It's a terrible game. Yeah, It's a terrible game. It's, it's a roll-and-move game. You have no interesting choices. There's no way you can stop a runaway leader. Like in many other games, if someone's becoming a leader, say like in Root, 
everybody else can gang up on the leader to knock him down a peg to, to make the game a lot closer. There are no interesting choices other than I choose to buy a property and if I don't, there's an auction. And I find Monopoly has a lot of other real problems with it. There is a video out there by Actual LOL uh, that says why Monopoly is objectively a bad game. I just highly recommend everybody to watch that. Um, but before we go on to what are the, the games that we're going to try to introduce you to, I thought it might be interesting what what are some of the characteristics of a gateway game? And I think a gateway game really falls under three categories, and, and, and you can add to them as you wish, Vic. Uh, the first is the rule set has to be simple. Mm-hmm. You can't hit somebody with deep, complicated rules, say like a GMT coin series game. That's not going to help. No one's going to spend the time to do that as their very first game. They need to be introduced into some of the concept of gaming. And so the games that are on our list are relatively easy and have a very streamlined rule set. The other thing that it has to be, in my opinion, is a relatively quick playing game. People who are not used to gaming don't really want to spend two hours sitting around the table playing a board game. Even though Monopoly can last forever, theoretically, it never really clicks for someone who wants to whose first game is more than an hour. So a lot of these games play well under an hour. The third thing that, in my opinion, a gateway game needs is even though it has a simple rule set, it plays less than an hour, it still has to have interesting choices. For games that have interesting choices, people will say, oh, you know what? I could have played that better. I want to go back to that game. Mm. With Monopoly, by the way, you never have that. Oh, I got a bunch of bad dice roll. I lost the game. You're done. But when I lose a game in this hobby and it's a good game, my first thought is, oh, you know what? I could have played this better next time when when I play this game, I'm going to do that better. Do you have anything that you'd like to add about what a definition of a gateway game is? To me, you, you've kind of hit the nail on the head with all of it. And, and one of the things is now, look, we joke about this and, and you know, getting people in and this um, cult of ours. But really what we're trying to do is kind of share the, the, the enjoyment and the fun we get from this with other people and kind of open their minds to it. One of the things I would say definitely is leaving people wanting more. And you know this as well as I do. A good game for me is if you've played a game on a Tuesday night or a Thursday night or whatever, you've gone to bed and you're like, oh, I should have done that. Different and, oh, okay. I could have, if I had a kind of got in front of them at that point, I could have done this and, oh, nah, nah. And yet you have so much fun. And and the guys I game with and, you know, have said to me like, you know, the game was okay, but by God, I spent the next day in work thinking about it and, and I want to play it again next Thursday or whatever. So yeah, that's a big thing for me. Like, is there any let's 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 do a top four of maybe mm-hmm. some of the games you'd recommend. Um and I'll do top four as well. Not like I've made them up already. The um not at all. <laughs> the uh, we don't do any preparation here. The, so tell me off the top of your head, Philip, give me your first game that you would recommend to people. Who are gamers who want to teach new players to game? So the first one that I have is Tokaido, which is a lovely, beautiful game. The yeah. art is stunning, mm-hmm. which has a simple mechanic of you can only move forward and to gather resources. It has set collection. It plays in about 45 minutes and you have some interesting choices. Do I jump massively ahead to get that thing I really need? Or do I jump just a little bit ahead just in front of everybody else? Or is there a way I can stage the way I jump so that I get a couple of extra jumps? It's not 
the deepest of games, but it does have very interesting choices and people are drawn into the art. People don't realize that many, many board games and Splatter not being one of them, many, many board games have brilliant art, right? We can name hundreds of them. Mm. Uh, and we've talked about this. Uh, Gallerist has amazing art. It's, it's a game about uh, being an art dealer. Tokaido introduces set collection and the idea of board games are not only pleasing to play, but they're visually appealing as well. What's your number one? Uh, my number one would definitely be Skull and Roses, or just Skull, as it, it, it masquerades. At it. It's kind of a distillation of poker down to its very essence. And I, I've played this game and introduced it to people at kind of Christmas parties in work, back when I worked with people. I've, I've, I've brought it out at kind of family get-togethers and, and nights out. It's a great game for, you know, for a night out with an event and to quiet even weddings I've, I've brought out at weddings and, and been told clearly to put the bloody thing away so that people will go and listen to the speeches but it, it's it's a cracker of a game very simple very easily made you could fabricate it if you were lost in the jungle out of enough leaves that's my number one what about you what's your second one my second one is actually two games and the reason i'm listening them together is because they're very similar my two games are splendor and century spice road both of them have a set collection and resource management strategy. Splendor is a little bit simpler uh, with you using basically buying chips, getting chips, and then using those chips to buy cards. And then the cards allow you to do more expensive buying of cards and getting chips and eventually getting some bonus points through these nobles. It plays very, very quickly. It plays in about 20 to 30 minutes once you know the rules. The rule set is extremely simple. And the reason I like to include this game is because there's no dice. And so people are immediately say, wait, there's no dice. But it has those nice, heavy poker chips, mm -hmm. as well as this concept of you're, play, you're, you're meddling with gems. Century Spice Road has a very similar feel to it. It's a little bit drier with the spices being just colored cubes. And you are buying cards and playing cards. So there's a little bit of a hand management. But in both cases, you're looking to use your resources, whether they be spices or whether they be jewels, to buy other cards to give you victory points. And that's why I have those two together. Uh, they both play very quickly. People seem to enjoy them. There's some interesting choices. And it's easy to get to the table. What's your number two? My number two would be the Great Del Moody. Oh, excellent uh, game. Great Del Moody is Richard Garfield. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it's um, and it's been around a long time. It's it's relatively simple. It's simple. It's it's what's it called a rising trick taking game, even though it's not trick taking. Uh, very simple game. There's a kind of interesting mechanic that you can and can't play where you move the players around as they win closer to the king. Uh, it's a great con game if you get a group of people around that are up for it, and it's very simple to teach. I mean, you, you can learn the rules and two or three minutes, but there is skill to it and there is a little bit of depth and people, what I like doing with new players is letting them realize, and it's the only way, like if people learn things um, themselves, it, it would stick with them. So when they play a game like this, they start to get a strategy. They start to see kind of opportunities and so on, or at least the ones that are going to stay as gamers will. What's your number three? My number three is Stone Age. Again, beautiful art, and it introduces players to worker placement games. There's a storyline there. There are jokes that can be made with the Boom Boom Hut or whatever you want to call it. 
that allows you to recruit more workers. And there is this sort of a slight random mechanic with rolling the dice to see what sort of resources you get with the ability to modify dice rolls. So it introduces some very key concepts in board gaming. It does it extremely well. It's a lot of fun. And people really do come afterward, after playing it saying, I could have done this better. Bring it back out on the board. I want to play it again. Hmm. My number three is Thoreau, T-S-U-R-O, which is probably being mangled and mispronounced, but it's it's a beautifully produced game. It's an oriental-looking game where you, up to eight players, place stones at the edge of the board, and then they place down tracks on the board and have to move to the end. And the idea is to try and be the last one standing. Once you've played maybe two turns, suddenly clicks into place, you understand how it works, and then you start to play properly. And it's just such a beautifully produced game and, and, and so simple that you'll want to play it again. Like most kind of new games or, or newbie games, you're only going to get so much out of it. This is a game you'll play two or three times. You'll probably come back to, but you'll certainly keep it for introducing people to games. What's your number four? My number four game on the list, and it's certainly not a number four game uh, in my top ten, it's, it's actually in my top ten, is Arboretum. Arboretum is a simple game. It's, it plays in about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. And all it is is pick up two cards, play a card, discard a card. But the meaningful choices in this game are stunning because for you to score your path of trees, you have to have the highest value of that tree in your hand. So there's always this pull of, do I discard this card? What does my opponent have? And you really care about what your opponent's doing. So this game has a lot of player interaction. It has a lot of thinking. Every card that you play, certainly after the first four or five, starts to becoming really meaningful because you're wondering what cards are left, what cards do my opponent have, and how can I best score these trees? It's really clever because if your opponent has a much higher valued uh, tree, and even though you have the better path, you may not score those points. And and, and there's just no getting around the art. Uh, It was recently uh, re-released by Renegade Games with art by Beth Sobel. Beautiful. And the decisions on this one, on this game, are just particularly meaningful. You just can't get away from that. What's your number four? Just talk about Arboretum. I've, I've been tempted to buy it once or twice. I must must go and get it. Um, my number four is Catan, which may not be considered a gateway game, but it is. It's relatively simple to learn. You can get anybody who's played any kind of board game in on it. It's pretty straightforward. And it's 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 a good, decent game. It's more a kind of medium weight game, if you will, than a, a beginner's game. But I have brought successfully a number of players through Catan. And it's one of those games that, that, that's all over the place. You know, in any game shop, there's always a copy of Catan. So it's it's an easy one for people to get once they've, um, you know, once they've done it. Uh, the other reason that Catan is also a good gateway game is because it's probably the best known of the strategy games. Mm. There have been numerous articles about it. You've seen uh, Dax Shepard and his wife, who uh, Kristen Bell, playing Catan at the after parties of Hollywood award shows. Yes. There was a Wall Street Journal article about the front line 
of the Green Bay Packers, a American football team who play a daily game of Catan to kind of up their viciousness. Wow. There's a lot of press about Catan, which doesn't exist for a lot of these other games. I'm not a big fan of Catan for a variety of reasons. I do think that it very much belongs on our top gateway games. Do you have some honorable mentions? I do. I Because I run and work in the board game conventions, uh, I find myself teaching new players quite a bit. I, I also worked in, in teaching for a while. I still I don't now, so how good could I have been? But I used to use games occasionally for teaching kids and teaching adults how, you know, certain concepts. And Werewolf is a fantastic game, especially for a convention. You can get as many people as you want into it. It's simple to explain. It it gets people's minds moving. And it's a lot of fun. Camel Cup. It is Camel Cup. It's not Camel Up. Very simple game. There's a little bit of depth to it. Love Letter would be another good one. And it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit different the first time you play it because... Of the whole kind of previous turn thing. The game I really, really like and I I've, you know, think is a great noob game, but it's also a, a, a very kind of deep game is High Society. Mm. Uh, and Coup is a great game. Even though I have a few friends who think it's a terrible game, I think it's a cracking game. What about you? What are your honorable mentions? I, I don't have as many as you. I only have three. So the first one would be Codenames, which is the pentultimate party game. Yeah. And it, it won the... The Spiel de Yard, it deserved it. It's a great game. The next one is Flamme Rouge. Oh. Anybody who's into bicycling, it's a simple game. It has simple rules. It has the little pieces, the little bicyclists. Very interesting game. And, and, it, and it's really easy to bring people in because visually it's appealing. Mm. And the last on my honorable mention list is the Alexander Pfister game, Isle of Sky, which has a bidding component, which I, of course, love and a tiling component. Okay. And the rule set is not that complicated. And, it's, and it becomes very quick to bring people in and say, look, you know what? I should have gotten more cows. Next time when I see this, I'll do that. And maybe I'll bid up next time. And it really makes you start thinking about what you could have done differently. Now, I will have to say that not every game, I would, I would like to say that every game could has the possibility of being a gateway game, mm. even as outrageously weird as it is. So I'm going to ask you, what was the most unlikely gateway game that you've ever played? A distant plane. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> the, um, the, the unlikely maybe is diplomacy because, as you know, diplomacy is the answer to every game question. Uh, you can generally answer diplomacy and you're fine. But I have taught a number of people diplomacy who are non-gamers. Just explain the rules relatively quickly and let them at it and... It's worked. What I found in particular is you could separate the the wheat from the chaff. Now that there is any chaff in gaming, when you explain to him that you didn't have to keep the agreement, <laughs> and then one or two faces would light up, a light would go on in their heads, and you could pick out the real gamers from the non-real gamers. What about you? What kind of unusual stuff have you used to teach people gaming? So the, the most unusual game for me is a light to medium weight worker placement-ish game called Last Will by CGE Games. This is a game where you've inherited some money and your goal is to spend the money as quickly as possible. The theme is amusing. The gameplay is quick. I mean, it takes a little bit over an hour, so it kind of breaks that rule. But it's so engaging with everybody's trying to say, oh, I could take my horse to dinner. <laughs> that will spend some money and, and you just start laughing. 
And it's just one of those games that you enjoy. It is competitive, but it is so lighthearted in the way it does things that I've actually been able to get quite a few people into gaming, even though I wouldn't consider it a gateway game just because it runs over an hour and the rules are a little bit more complex than, say, some of these other games. Very good. I'm interested to see hear what our audience thinks. If you want to contact us, you can reach me on Twitter at the at Board Game Rabbi. Vic, how can they reach you? You can reach me by just looking for KnaveCon. Find me on Facebook. You'll find me on mail. Um, well, you'll find me on Facebook. The So if you do a Google for KnaveCon, you'll find me staring back at you. I suppose that's it. Just one last question before I let you go for the evening. We're coming towards the end of the year. Is there any game that you're going to try and sneak in before the end of the year and get played? Oh, several. Over the next couple of days, because I'm off for the next five days, the games that I'm really really looking to try to play our uh, captains of the Gulf, which I just picked up uh, in between our last two conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to get played again. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, I also got a, I literally just in the mail, I got a uh, prototype of Tim Fowers, new games, sabotage. So I will be beta testing that. I'm also a backer of it. And, for full disclosure, I worked for Tim Fowler Games at PAX Unplugged, as mentioned in our last podcast. Those those are kind of the big three. Um, and there's some other games I want to get to the table. Hopefully, I'll get some gaming in. But those are the big ones for me right now. What about you? Um, I'm hoping to get a game of container in. Now, I do have some in-laws coming uh, to visit. And I usually indoctor them a little bit into gaming if I can. Um, <laughs> it might be a bridge too far. But... I might get a gaming session in and, and I really, what's twigged my interest recently is Summit, the climbing game. Didn't, it got a good game out of it the other night, but it needs more and it need now that we really know the rules, I want to go. So that's it. I mean, you know me, any game I get to play is a good game. You know, we've got another week or so left of this kind of holiday and uh, yeah, I'm going to try and get as much gaming in as I can. Yeah, I just want to say I want to get as much gaming as I can. Game as much as we can, while we can, gaming 24-7, all the gaming, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I will say, though, on my last trip to Dallas, which I, I was there this earlier this week, because of this hobby, I have all friends in Dallas who, who game. And so we all got together and in, in the hotel, uh, ho- the hotel gave us a free conference room to use after 630. And we played Concordia. We played a five-person Concordia. It was fantastic. It's the new golf for business people, board game. Exactly. (laughs) I'm going to let you go. Thanks very much for for agreeing to chat with me again this evening and me to chat with you and and all that good stuff. It's uh, I know it's not evening where you are. It's certainly evening where I am. And uh, I'm going to get back to kind of preparing for the holidays. So listen, always good talking to you, Philip. Really enjoy it. And I'm going to let you off to do your, your, your Friday thing. So I appreciate that. And I, w- I wish everybody happy holidays and we'll see you before the new year. Take care, everyone. Definitely. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.